0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfc 4 Now let's get going. Welcome to the Upper Room. This is Associate Pastor Scott Kimball of Bible Fellowship Church, and tonight I am flying solo. was hoping to line up Aubrey, my daughter, to uh, be on the podcast with me this evening and discuss a, f- a few articles and some things, but she's working late and not going to be able to make it. And unfortunately, my, or I guess the plan to have more people on and keep it in a discussion format um, got messed up this week by COVID and just the sheer number of people in our church that are sick right now. So for those of you that are ill and listening to this podcast, I'm praying for you, hoping that you're um, getting better and that uh, we'll be able to get back into doing some ministry together uh, once you're healed up again. So I wanted to take a a little bit of time and go ahead and, and discuss Pastor Don's sermon this last Sunday. He was in Isaiah 56. And he focused on really on the latter part. In the beginning, he started talking about the eunuchs again in the earlier part of the chapter and talked about the story of Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how they were faithful to the Lord and and their their names remembered uh, through time because of their um, undying devotion to God, even though they had had this horrible thing done to them where they would have no lineage, no heirs. And I guess it was a fairly common thing in in that time uh, to to do to young men, especially in a a court of the king. You know, some of these kings had large uh, groups of advisors and people around them. And one way to keep them docile, keep them, I guess, under your thumb was to make eunuchs out of them. Uh, But the second part of the chapter he got into, which is kind of what I wanted to focus on tonight, looking at verse 10 and on, It talks about the watchmen and how they're blind and without knowledge. And he talks about in verse 11, uh, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. And he related that to the leadership in the church. Uh, It was definitely true of the leadership in in Isaiah. And I guess one of the striking things to me as we've been studying through the book of Isaiah is just how many parallels there are to Israel in the time of Isaiah and the church today and i think this chapter really kind of nails it on the head that we've got pastors we've got people that are that are shepherding over the flock of jesus shepherding over the church that are this this would describe them you know they're blind they're without knowledge it says they're all silent dogs and they cannot bark right so they can't sound the warning they don't sound the warning of what's going on and and it's kind of interesting because you do have some pastors that are politically motivated, and so they're constantly sounding the warning of the other side. Right, the left is doing this, or the the right is doing this. Um, you know, all the white supremacists out there are doing this. You know, whatever. All the political motivation in the world, but when it comes to the truth of the gospel and the fact that people are dying in their sins, many pastors are asleep. They're they're silent about it. They're not talking about that anymore. They don't want to talk about that whole sin thing anymore because it's it's not. Um, It's not uh, friendly. It's not seeker-friendly, I guess. It doesn't make new people who come to the church feel warm and fuzzy. And so we don't talk about things like sin anymore. And so it's interesting because this really does kind of talk a lot about the state of the church today. talks about, you know, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. You know, he said that was maybe kind of a a slight or or maybe a a bit of an insult uh, to the people. In that day, but it still describes what's going on today. You know, so many leadership in the church are, are dreaming of of building bigger churches and more people and more ministry, and and it's all about the growth and and not for the altruistic reasons or the gospel centered reasons, but for selfish reasons for their own ego. And it's an easy thing to get caught up into. I mean, we're all still human, and so the human understanding is that you want to feel good about yourself, and one way to mark your achievements is by numerical growth. And so it's an easy thing to get caught up into. Um, But then further on down in verse 11, it says, But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. And you can see that, um, definitely that parallel within the church today. Even it even as it was in Israel back then. And we saw that even carried on forward uh, in history in Jesus's time, right? I mean, he spent much of his time um, going after the leadership of Israel in that day and and really letting them know that God was very displeased with them because of the way their attitude, they were so pious and so arrogant in their in their beliefs. Um, thinking that they had Scripture all figured out and that they knew how to keep the law um, to the very letter of the law, yet their hearts were completely far from God. They were doing it all for their own aggrandizement. They were doing it all for their own glory, uh, not definitely not for God's glory. And so we see those parallels even today. You know, We have a lot of these um, pastors, and we like to pick on the pastors of the big megachurches, right, because they're an easy target because they're on TV and— Many of them end up saying really dumb things. It makes it really easy to pick on them. But more sinister, I think, are, are the pastors of these small local churches. You know, they get a following. They have a dozen or so people in their church, you know, maybe half, you know, half a dozen families. And uh, but they're very tight knit. You know, they're very, very closed group. And everybody follows this pastor as though he's some sort of a, a great spiritual swami or something that, you know, has all knowledge. And so it's, again, it's humanity. It's just, it's kind of the way we're geared. And it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. We need to be all about studying the scripture, glorifying God, and spreading the gospel. Uh, And on top of that, we need to be trying to uh, help others and alleviate suffering in this world as much as we can. And then in verse 12, it says, "'Come, they say, let me get wine, let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure.'" And so, yeah, it's that folly of looking to tomorrow and saying that, you know, tomorrow is going to be even better than today. We're, we're building the kingdom, right? How many times have you heard pastors or, or Christians say that, you know, come alongside, we're building the kingdom together. You know, and I, and I guess really there's, there's no harm in that. We ought to be trying to make an improvement in society wherever we can. But I think the, the reality is, is the kingdom's not going to come until Christ returns, physical return. Not not some spiritualized thing, but actually Jesus in the flesh coming down out of heaven, putting his feet on this planet again and ruling from Jerusalem. That's the day we look forward to. That's what we want. Uh, we're looking forward to that second coming. So it was a good message. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, I would encourage you to go back and, and check it out and, and listen to it. Uh, there, there's so much there that uh, I think... It would be easy to point to the leadership in the church today and say, yeah, the leadership's failing, but a lot of that is because the leadership is afraid of the congregations, you know, that if they actually spoke the truth out of the scriptures, that their fear is that nobody would come, that people would just would not come to church anymore, that they they would be so offended by the things of the scripture that they would no longer uh, return to church. And uh and it's a real fear. And there's a lot of pastors right now that are leaving the ministry. They're getting out of the ministry completely. And so much of it is just become because church has just become not a good place to be. You know, people dread getting up and going to church on Sunday. It's like what's what's this Sunday gonna bring? And for a pastor, that's a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility on one person who's trying to do their best to grow a congregation and and to bring people into the fold and to and to teach the word, but that's a lot of responsibility on one person. And when the congregation is to the point that they don't lift a finger to do anything, but just come and sit and listen, but don't do any teaching, don't do any discipling, don't get involved in the active ministries of the church and those kind of things, uh, it makes it really hard on, on the leadership because they don't feel like they're actually accomplishing anything. And so thankfully at Bible Fellowship Church, Uh, We do have a lot of people who are very active in ministry, and it seems like here recently people have become more active, and I don't know if it's because of the things that Don's been preaching out of the pulpit or uh, the Spirit's just moving through our congregation or what, but it seems like we've got a good core of people now who are actively interested and involved in ministry, Um, whether that's uh, ladies' ministry or teaching Bible studies or um, you know doing the men's breakfast or participating in the things on Sunday morning helping out in the kitchen all that kind of stuff being part of the ministry and, and doing whatever they can to help move things along to bring things forward to be to be an asset to the body of Christ so it's all good a lot of good stuff going on we've got a uh, a, a good mix of people at our church everything from you know little tiny children we actually have a, a Pretty decent Gen Z, you know, millennial crowd. And then, of course, we've got a lot of the older folks, too. We're definitely multi generational. So the other thing we, I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight was um, a YouTube video that came across today in my recommended feed. And it was uh, Elon Musk. And it says, Why Elon Musk is Warning About One of the Biggest Risks to Civilization. And I guess he's been on several different news programs and whatnot and talked to reporters and brought this this concern of his up. And his concern is that we're not having enough children, that people, as we've become more affluent and as people have become more afraid of the future, you know, whether it's climate change or possibilities of war or other catastrophes or whatnot— there's been this concern by our younger generation that, you know, why would they bring children into this world? Which is kind of interesting because it's the same thing, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and it's the same thing my generation was concerned about. Uh, You know, we grew up with the uh, Soviet threat and nuclear annihilation and all that kind of stuff. And in a matter of fact, in the seventies, we were all concerned about global cooling. We had another ice age coming. So there's always been something on the horizon, you know, and and you look at the people who went through World War II, um, and then which went into the Korean War and the Vietnam War, you know, there's always been a reason not to bring more children into this world. But the issue we're running into now is that so much of the world has come out of poverty, and they're more affluent now. And what naturally happens as people become more affluent is they tend to have fewer children. It's just the way it is. And so... But with fewer children, you don't have enough people to replace the people that are dying off every year. And if you let that go on too long, it will collapse your civilization. And we're seeing some European communities, some European countries that are in this situation now where they're trying to save their culture uh, by encouraging their citizens to have more children. And their cultures and their country would have already failed at this point if it had not been for immigrants coming in. And I think the United States is kind of in that same boat. Native-born Americans are having fewer and fewer children, and we would already be in a lot of trouble in this country if it wasn't for the influx of immigrants that come into our country every year. And I'm pretty sure I've said before on this podcast, you know, that our country is the most benevolent when it comes to immigration of any country in the world. Uh, for as much flack as we get into the screwed up as our immigration system is, we still immigrate more people into this country every year than any other country in the world. Everybody wants to come to the United States, but we need to understand that globally we need to be having enough children in order to replace those that are that are passing away that are dying off and since we 've had a global pandemic and we 've got i 'm not sure what the total number is of deaths now around the world globally. But it's a lot. And with those deaths, um, we need to be having enough children to begin to replace those people and and bring it on. And Elon comes from a a perspective that is kind of interesting because I think I've read it before in some other books – talking about this idea of the population. And it's not a very popular idea because most people in academia and most of your very smart people are looking at ways to limit population, to reduce the population, and they're doing it for reasons of environmental damage or uh, other things that they're concerned about that humans are doing. And by thinking that maybe if we just have fewer people, that'll lessen the problem. The issue with that, though, is that as we lessen the global population, you lose that sort of collective mind that develops by having that many people, and you end up going back to a time where instead of you being able to, to come up and be educated and to specialize into a field and become very good at, at whatever that service or thing is that you do is, with your career, um, you have to go back to meeting basic needs of food, shelter, and clothing. And when each person in your society is only concerned with food, shelter, and clothing, then all that specialization goes away. All the great technological advancements, all that kind of stuff goes away. And we end up going back, you know, maybe to the medieval, ages. If it gets bad enough, you lose enough of your population. You can go right back to being, you know, um, cave people again. And so Elon Musk is, uh, a very intelligent man and he's, he's kind of bucking the trend, which he's, known to do. And he's saying that we need to be having more children, not fewer children, that we need to be increasing this global intelligence, if you will, this collective intelligence and allowing people to specialize by having enough people on the planet who can do all the food, shelter, clothing type of aspects of living for everybody, that then that frees up other people to be able to really focus in and do these very specialized things that moves Technology and society and advancement forward. So that got me thinking about some other things, um, was thinking about, you know, how technology has really affected us and especially the younger generations, the millennials and the Gen Zers. You know, they're, they've grown up with the Internet. You know, they've had the Internet in their life. And the Internet is one of those things that has been a fantastic increase and your ability to find information and and have information and but it's got its both good and bad sides, right the church and and many churches have discovered that they can use the internet to have a global reach, right doing things like this like podcasting, um, doing uh, Facebook live videos of their Sunday services of having online classrooms. So instead of expecting everybody to come to your church on Sunday morning at nine 30 or nine 45 or whenever you normally have your Sunday school and having everything around that, you can have small groups essentially anytime you can record them as you're doing it. So for for those people that couldn't be there at that time, they can check into it later and get, and get the content and be able to comment and still be part of the conversation, still be part of what was going on. And so we've really kind of opened up a whole new era for the church, an online church, if you will, that I think has some fantastic possibilities. If we can just wrap our heads around it, get our minds fixed on the possibilities of what could be done with this technology, how can we use the internet to further the gospel? How can we use the internet for biblical teaching? How can we use the internet to help uh, Christians who are really struggling with their faith, you know, can we do online one-on-one counseling? Can we do uh, gospel uh, presentations, things like that, bring people to to faith in Jesus? You know, there's just so much that I think that we we've just now is kind of scratching the surface on all of this, and some churches really kind of jumped in, you know, both feet and are trying all kind of different things to see what really is working and. And you know, but also with the internet, you've got the opposite side of that too, right? Satan is also very interested in the internet because that's an easy way for him to do his his fakery, you know, to do his accusations. The church is under a constant assault on, on the internet. People are constantly badgering and, and saying bad things and making accusations about pastors and churches and whatnot online all the time. And our young people grow up with that. And it's, it's no wonder that our young people who are so tied in to the Internet all the time, their general feeling about the church is that religion, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm spiritual, whatever, but, you know, religion is terrible and, and churches are terrible. And, you know, all you do when you go to church is you get hurt and people abuse you. And and it's just, you know, it's not a good place to be. And that whole idea that of being part of the body and that family aspect of being in a church is just lost on many of them. They don't. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And so much of that just has to do with uh, the churches uh, late coming to the game. You know, getting on the internet and and getting their message out and trying to uh, combat some of these falsehoods. Some of them are falsehoods, and also combat or maybe provide healing for those people who truly were mistreated at a church. Who truly were abused or whatever at a church, and you know, offer them healing. Say, no, we're we're not a church like that. You know, we're a church that that wants to help you heal, that wants to help you grow closer to the Lord. So, there's just so many things that you know we could really talk about when it comes to the internet and technology. But getting back to this this article with Elon Musk, I th- I think it not really an article, as a video, but that he is trying to sound the, the call out there, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not a believer in any way, but he's a, he's a man who recognizes that when you lose people, you lose you lose that ability to have society and, and culture and all those kind of things that, that we want in life, and one of those things we lose from a church perspective is we lose uh, the gospel, we lose that opportunity to, to get the word out there uh, to so many people. So with that, I just want to uh, thank everybody who who checks in on these podcasts and listens to them. I thank you for spending the last uh, couple of years with us, and I hope as we move forward and we begin to do new things, uh, I ask that you pray for us. Pray for the leadership of Bible Fellowship Church. Pray for the folks in our church right now. There's a lot of folks that are sick. Uh, Mississippi is still, as far as I know, on the rise as far as Omicron. Many other states are already on the decline, have seen case numbers drop, but I think Mississippi still, still going up, and more and more people are getting sick, and it's affected our church now. And there's quite a few people that are out that are recovering now from COVID, and thankfully nobody that I've I've heard of has been hospitalized due to it. But uh, it can be a rough time. It can be a rough time. All righty. Well, I guess with that, we'll uh, we'll call it an evening. I thank you all for listening in. I pray and I ask that, you know, if you find what you're listening to here to be helpful to you at all, uh, tell somebody about it. Uh, spread the word. You know, let that be your ministry of, of letting other people know about uh, the podcasts that we have here. And. And that you know they can get good, solid biblical teaching, and they can get some, maybe some things to think about from these Upper Room podcasts, and uh, hopefully to make their experience and their and their journey is uh, being part of the family of God more meaningful. So with that, I'll just uh, go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for our church. I thank you, Father, just for the great blessing it is in our lives. I pray, Father, that uh, for our church leadership, I ask Lord that you help us to. Uh, to do a, a good job of of shepherding the body, that uh, the people of Bible Fellowship Church would continue to grow, continue to learn more, continue to mature in faith. I ask, Lord, for those that that are dealing with illness right now, that you would be with them, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them to get back on their feet again. I also pray, Lord, that you would help them not to overdo it as they try to recover and get back on their feet again, but that they would allow the the body to have the time to to heal as it should. I also pray Father for the young families in our church uh, those that are raising kids and and I'm thinking of my own son here' who's, who's not only got a family but he's also going to school and and just those that are that are even starting down this journey of, of life and and one anotherness I pray Father for all of them that That uh, you would make yourself known and real to them, that they would rely on you, that they would work to to draw closer to you and to build that kind of relationship with you, Lord, that can carry them through this life with a sense of joy. Uh, Life can be hard, and and there can be setbacks and difficulties in life, but as believers who uh, draw close to you and spend time with you, Lord, uh, we know that we can also experience joy in it all. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on that cross and for ascending into heaven and for the promise of your return to come back. I ask Lord that that you would just help us as we go through each day to, to seek virtue and to live in a way that gives you honor and glory. For I pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.